As an Alliant Energy representative, I really enjoy helping businesses save. Today, I visited a business that asked for a free energy audit. After walking through their facility, I let the customers know how much money and energy they could be saving. Plus, I gave them an action plan detailing how to improve their energy efficiency. I showed them how they could save even more with rebates from Alliant Energy on equipment upgrades. If you are interested in saving energy and money, schedule a free energy audit at AlliantEnergy.com slash energy audit. Find your next truck at Woodhouse Buick GMC. No matter where you're heading or what tasks need tackling, there's a premium and capable GMC truck that's perfect for you. Make a statement on the job site, out in the town, or wherever life leads you in the powerful and distinctive Sierra 1500. Or elevate your driving experience in the adventurous and innovative canyon. Explore our inventory online at WoodhouseBuickGMC.com or visit our indoor showroom today. Woodhouse Buick GMC. We are professional grade. You're listening to the Huddle Up Podcast with Chad Jensen and Zach Kelberman. Join Broncos Country's deep divers at milehighhuddle.com and sound off. And now it's time to drop some knowledge. Okay, we're live, but we do have to let the screen breathe just for a second while we get Facebook locked in here with us tonight. And we are... Golden. Welcome in, everybody, to the Huddle Up podcast, presented as always by Mile High Huddle and powered by Overtime Media. I'm your host, Chad Jensen. With me, as always, my partner in crime. You know him, you love him. My fellow football priest, he is Zach Kelberman. Zach, we are now a day removed from the Broncos' pretty massive upset of the Miami Dolphins. Definitely, you know, as we talked about on the gut reaction, maybe it's not the definitive win of Drew Locke's young career, but easily one of the top one or two most impressive wins of Vic Fangio's young head coaching career and definitely the most emphatic victory of this season. How are you feeling on Monday? I'm feeling, as always, win or lose, I'm pretty much the same after the next day. You know, you take the fan component out of it, Chad, and we have to cover the team and we write about the team and we we look at them through a different scope as most fans. So we're pretty even-keeled, win or or lose. I'm happy they won, though. I'm happy for the fan base. And it was a resounding victory, like I wrote on Twitter. Not so much for Drew Locke. His statement game was Week 8 against the Chargers. This This was Vic Fangio's day and Vic Fangio's game. And like I said yesterday, for anyone who missed it, Take pride and take pleasure in knowing that your coach outcoached a coach of the year frontrunner. Take pleasure in knowing that your coach's defensive scheme was so potent and so lethal, it forced the benching of a non-injured, undefeated first-round rookie quarterback. The Broncos dominated that game on, on defense from the opening whistle, from the jump. And this defensive performance, to me, was the best I've seen in the Fangio era. It just goes to show that Vic Fangio, when it all comes together, he can be a very savvy head coach, but it all has to come together. And the biggest problem that we've had during the Vic Fangio era is the inconsistencies. You know, you get the one impressive game. I'll even harken back to, what was it, week six last year, the Tennessee game in which they shut out the Titans and and, uh, ushered in the end of the Marcus Mariota era uh, in Tennessee. Phenomenal defensive performance. So-so. Of course, that was a that was a uh, Joe Flacco-led Broncos offense. But shutting out an opponent in the NFL, regardless of who it is, is always impressive. And then the next week, you go and just get completely destroyed. I want to say week six, week seven. I'm pretty sure that was the Chiefs. But I digress. My point being with the coaching is I want to see this 
this really strong turn towards competence and just knowing which way the wind blows, you know, just kind of having some, having another team's goat, having another team's number, like Brian Flores, as you mentioned, this, this guy, he might be a, a second year head coach like Fangio, but he's not chopped liver. And he was a guy going into this week in which, you know, he's up there even today, one of the top two, three, four candidates that people mention for head coach uh, of the year. And Zach, to, to bring it back and, and keep it focused on the coaching for a second, yesterday we talked at length about how impressed we were with the coaches, uh, you know, with, with Pat Shermer in particular. I mean, Fangio's did a bang-up job defensively. That goes without saying. But on the offensive side, seeing the changes that were made, we did learn from Fangio postgame. Because remember, gang, when we go live on the gut reaction, we're coming to you straight after the whistle. We don't wait till we've we've we don't sit in on the zooms. We don't listen to the pressers. We just go straight to the gut reaction and we catch all that after the fact. One of the things we learned from Fangio, Zach, two things I want to get your thoughts on. Number one is we said, hey man, this this rushing attack looks different. And, and we explained in the podcast last night what 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 was different. For example, all the pulls and the traps and, and whatnot. And Fangio confirmed after the game, and he did so again today, Zach, that they did create new wrinkles and new plays for the rushing attack based on the type of fronts Miami was running. How encouraging is that, knowing what we've seen from from Shermer up to this point? It's encouraging and discouraging at the same time because it took that long for them to actually game plan around an opponent or an opponent's weakness. This is what they should have been doing all along. Instead, Shermer ran the same, as you've mentioned on every podcast, the same inside and outside zone running plays, running Philip Lindsay inside, it, when you finally get creative and the least bit innovative, I'm not talking the most, you know, the Mike Martz greatest show on turf. I'm just talking play action, rollouts, outside runs, screen passes, you know, tosses, anything to get the playmakers the ball in space and let them get gain some yardage and get to the edge. And when you do that with Philip Lindsay in particular, good things can happen. So I am encouraged that maybe Pat Shermer, the light bulb, finally went on, but the fact that it took this long and went through that many losses and that much heartbreak, you wonder how good this offense could have been. Even with the quarterback issues, even with the loss of Cortland Sutton, if Pat Shermer would have just coached like he did yesterday the entire year. We saw it bring out a completely different Drew Locke, even though Locke obviously was started off on, on pretty treacherous footing, throwing the pick on third down on the first possession, going three and out basically and turning it over. Locke, thrived with this this identity that they forged on Sunday against the Dolphins. And it was interesting because today, uh, of course, Mike Kliss of Nine News, he always wants to hearken back to the, you know, to the good old days, the golden age of the NFL in the 60s and the 70s. And he asked Fangio, he's like, hey, man, seeing Garrett Bowles pull and seeing Dalton Reisner pull completely across the formation to go lead block and blow open holes, man, it was like I was watching, uh, He, you know, he referenced a few of the studs from the Green Bay Packers teams of the 60s. Why did that change? And here's what Fangio said, quote, part of the reason is you hit on it when you went all the way back to the 60s. Miami plays some fronts that was popular in the 60s. We play those fronts here a little bit. We mix them in and disguise them a little bit more than Miami does. Because of the way they play their defense, talking about the Dolphins, those runs were appealing to us. We put them in, and the guys did a great job of executing them Close quote. So, Zach, as much as it is great that, as you said, they recognized an opponent's an opportunity to exploit an opponent, it clearly fit their personnel. Like that philosophy and that angle of attack in terms of the run game 
this should become a staple of the offense. Maybe it's not obviously you don't call that on every every time you you do call a run, but Zach, this is a this needs to become a staple in the offense. Yeah, and also what helped is, you know, not to lump everything on Pat Shermer, but the offensive line, as we talked about yesterday, they were so good, Chad. In, in run blocking and pass pro, there was no breakdowns for the most part. Rising, like you mentioned, had a great game. Uh, Glasgow held up reasonably well at right guard. When the offensive line can play to their potential, they can be a road grading, uh, wear you down type of team. And you have a quarterback who can make enough plays with his weapons on offense. The coaching was just the sprinkling on top, but the offensive line, it all starts there. It all starts in the trenches. Everything worked in harmony yesterday. Even Locke came around after the interception. The coaching, uh, the production on the field, everything, the scheme, the game plan, it was all in unison, and there's no coincidence that the Broncos emerged on the right side of the wing column, not the wrong side. There are several other points we want to get to. We want to get to what's on your mind. I see some questions, some comments, some super chats. We're going to get to those here in just a few minutes. First, we do have to take care of some quick matters of business, starting with the sponsor, of tonight's show and Zach while you get that going I'm firing it up on the share screen and we are good yeah guys as always remember tonight's live stream podcast is brought to you by sportsbetting.com Broncos country gambling as you know is now legal in the state of Colorado and this is what makes sportsbetting.com a true no-brainer for sports fans like you sharp odds and low juice they have in-house bookmakers they're not a third-party provider uh, they have reduced juice best prices hassle-free bonuses with a one-time rollover that means the bonus money is yours after you bet it just one time whereas other sites big difference here range from five to 30 times Finally, 24-7 live customer support. That means when you contact sportsbetting.com, you are always getting a real person in the U.S., never a robot, never someone overseas, always here in the U.S. of A. But here's the kicker. At sportsbetting.com, you get a 100% risk-free week of sports betting up to $1,000. Not just one bet, but all of your bets. Play for a week, and if your losses exceed your winnings at the end of the week, sportsbetting.com will cover 100% of the difference up to $1,000 with a one-time rollover. So head on over to sportsbetting.com slash milehighhuddle. That's sportsbetting.com slash milehighhuddle and capitalize on a risk-free week of sports betting up to $1,000. I stood up for a second there because I, it was brought to my attention last night that um, this Floyd Little Ball – that I was talking about. I'm going to show you guys here in just a second. I thought everyone could see it in my background. It was too high. No one could see it. I'm going to show that to you guys here in just a second. Uh, a couple of other quick things, gang. We'll get dive right back into the content. Make sure you are following the podcast on Twitter at Huddle Up Pond. That's how you keep your finger on the pulse of what's happened with this show in real time. And then the main account, of course, at Mile High Huddle. Gentle reminder to head on over to huddleuppod.com and get your swag on. All right. It's a Get a hat, get a T-shirt, get a mug, get a face mask, a hoodie, little something for everybody. It's another way to support what we're doing here at MHH. And also on Facebook, as we continue to our inexorable march toward 100,000 followers, if you'd like to become an official supporter of Mile High Huddle on Facebook, it's simple. Just go to our page on Facebook.com slash Mile High Huddle. You'll see the big blue button that says Become a Supporter. we got some really exciting content coming your way here starting this week. And if you're not in a position to do those things, it's all good, gang. We're just seriously stoked to have you with us here tonight, or if you're listening after the fact as an on-demand podcast. We do ask that you do these three things, though. Subscribe, first and foremost. That's especially crucial on whatever podcast platform you enjoy the show. And on YouTube, like this video. You guys have no idea on, on Facebook and YouTube how much that helps us. And then the litmus test 
that lets Zach and I know if we're doing a good job is if you share it out there. So if you think we're, we're up to snuff, if you think we're doing a good job, share this video on your social media. Help us continue to grow and reach new like-minded Broncos fans just like you. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. Find your next truck at Woodhouse Buick GMC. No matter where you're heading or what tasks need tackling, there's a premium and capable GMC truck that's perfect for you. Make a statement on the job site, out on the town, or wherever life leads you in the powerful and distinctive Sierra 1500. Or elevate your driving experience in the adventurous and innovative canyon. Explore our inventory online at WoodhouseBuickGMC.com or visit our indoor showroom today. Woodhouse Buick GMC. We are professional grade. As an Alliant Energy representative, I really enjoy helping businesses save. Today, I visited a business that asked for a free energy audit. After walking through their facility, I let the customers know how much money and energy they could be saving. Plus, I gave them an action plan detailing how to improve their energy efficiency. I showed them how they could save even more with rebates from Alliant Energy on equipment upgrades. If you are interested in saving energy and money, schedule a free energy audit at AlliantEnergy.com slash energy audit. Broncos country, listen up. Coors Hard Seltzer is not your average seltzer. Rooted in Coors' long history of sustainability is a brand inspired by a generation that wants to do good in the world with a mission to restore America's rivers. Coors Hard Seltzer right now is launching the world's easiest volunteer program. Never before has it been as easy and simple to make an impact and make a difference in this world. So whatever you're doing, Here's how it works. By simply cracking open a can of Coors Hard Seltzer, you're volunteering. Our waterways gang are at risk. 80% of America's rivers are drying up. But through a partnership with Change the Course, Coors Hard Seltzer is helping to protect and restore America's rivers. The way it works, each 12-pack of Coors Hard Seltzer restores 500 gallons of fresh water to U.S. rivers and the communities that depend on them. The results? One billion, that's billion with a B gang, gallons of water restored to 16 river basins across the U.S., including the Colorado River. And that's just year one. Four refreshing flavors, one cool cause. Enjoy naturally flavored black cherry, mango, lemon lime, and grapefruit. And the specs are in. Coors Hard Seltzer is 4.5% ABV. And Zach, it's only 90 calories. Chad, I got to be honest. It's always good tasting a Coors Hard Seltzer, but it just hits differently after the big Broncos upset of the Miami Dolphins. It's crisp. It's refreshing. It tastes good. And also leading him into my Thanksgiving celebration, Chad, it's even that much better. You heard it. So join the world's easiest volunteer program by simply drinking Coors Hard Seltzer. You can volunteer to restore America's rivers. You buy Coors Hard Seltzer. You help restore 500 gallons of water into America's rivers. It's serious. It's that simple. Visit CoorsSeltzer.com to find a Coors Hard Seltzer near you. That's CoorsSeltzer.com. For every 12-pack sold through 831-2021, Coors will purchase services from Change the Course to restore 500 gallons of fresh river water. Details at CoorsSeltzer.com. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Fort Worth, Texas. All right, Zach, real quick before we get into the content, I just want to show this real quick. So this is the ball I was telling you guys about, all right? Uh, this was gifted to me by the great Doc Bear. And if Doc is, is watching, shout out to you, my friend. Hall of Fame. Uh, this is from the, the, the franchise himself, Floyd Little. So he, in case you guys missed it, uh, the news broke over the weekend, unfortunately, that he has entered hospice care as he battles cancer. So thoughts and prayers from 
MHH and the community, I'm sure, in all of Broncos country to Floyd Little. And, um, you know, hopefully it's, it's just t- tough situation. So back there. But he, you know, he meant a lot. Anyone who – any true student of Denver Broncos history knows that Floyd Little was the singular force that kept the Broncos in the late 60s and early 70s from being relocated from Denver. So shout out to the to the franchise. 78 years old, still a young man, you know, it's still too young to enter that type of uh, care, but you know, thoughts and prayers out to his family and a sad situation for sure. John, let's grab this super chat from our great superstar, Steve Baumgartner. Appreciate you, Steve. And he was in the chat stream early, got this super in and we're showing it like this because the, the stream jumped him. So John came up with a new idea because he's a creative and innovative producer to figure out how to get his super on the screen. So, Steve, appreciate you, my friend. He says, go Broncos. The offense finally looked great yesterday. Just think what this offense will look like with Sutton, Fant, Albert O, Patrick, Lindsey, Judy, Hamler, and Locke next year. And, Zach, I think that, uh, you know, as bad as things have gotten at times this year, um, I think this last game against the Dolphins is a good reminder, not only as Steve talks about here, the talent that exists on this offense. We've been saying it all year. They have the horses. But also maybe a reminder, maybe a little bit of a reality check to pump the brakes on going over the cliff on Drew Locke with all the lemmings going over. I mean, we still question whether or not he's the guy long term, but I think people need to pump the brakes on saying, look, he's already proven that he's not. Let's start talking about quarterbacks in the top 10 in 2021. Drew Locke pivoted in a profound way yesterday, and it came at a very timely – you know, fork in the road, Zach, because, you know, Brett Rippon, even though Vic Fangio said today he never considered a benching lock in game, obviously that was a message that was being sent to Drew throughout that uh, week leading up to the game. That's also, you know, hindsight, because if they won that game, so it's easier to answer that question looking back on it with that type of scope. But, you know, we saw these comments this year, and you kind of hit on that. There was the same type of hype being produced by the fan base this season, and all these weapons with Locke and Pat Shermer, and it was going to be a top-10 offense, and the year drew Locke, and I bought into some of that. But as you know, in the NFL, things can quickly change. There's injuries, there's bad coaching, there's bad play on the field, there's a pandemic that hit the that hit the league, that hit the world this year. Um I will say this, if you can have as many weapons as you want, you can name all the guys on offense, but if you're getting bad quarterback play or below average quarterback play, it doesn't really matter. So I will say this for next season. Yeah, it looks good on paper, but they're going to go as far as the coaching takes them and as a byproduct, as far as the quarterbacking takes them. If Locke can play consistently like he played yesterday or like he showed in the Chargers game, they can be an explosive offense. But if he plays like he did in the Kansas City game or the Raiders game, it doesn't really matter who you have on offense. It's a, it's a tough question to answer right now, Chad, so far away. And the whole Shermer thing, you know, it's a chi- it really is a, a chicken or the egg type of conundrum because you go, well, he hasn't done a great job, and this was really the first game in which he showed some real acumen as a game planner, as a play caller, put, utilizing the skill set of his entire uh, personnel to really put the Broncos in a good position, take some pressure off his young quarterback, it's really the first time this year where we've been like, good job, Shermer. Hard to pick too many nits in his game plan yesterday. Yeah. But nevertheless, you go, so, you know, one out of, what, 10 games, he's really shown some wherewithal here. But at the same time, it's like, look, you know, if you are going to stick with Drew Locke in 2021, and right now I would say 
odds are Bron- the Broncos do end up rolling into 2021. Elway's last hurrah, Fangio's last hurrah with Drew. You want that schematic continuity. You want the you don't want him having to le- learn a new playbook all over again and just all that stuff. So in other words, you want Pat Shermer to continue to show that progress as a as a schemer and that bond with his guys and and that uh, chemistry with his uh, personnel. We got Stu Meat jumping in with a super sticker. Hiya. Good to see you, my friend. Appreciate you. And, uh, yeah, we finally figured out a way to show the actual emojis on your super stickers, Stu. And he says, I believe it's time for me to buy an MHH trucker hat. It's right here. You can see it. Hey, man. This, this, I don't know if the, the light's going to kind of wash it out, but it's hard to see, I guess. But the stitching's nice. It's a nice fit. Trucker hat. Hey, huddleuppod.com. Appreciate, appreciate you, Stu. Um, Zach, as we uh, march back through, I want to see what's on everyone's mind here. There's there's one other thing, Fangio. There's quite a few things, actually, well, Fangio has said. Can I just I make one point to. to your previous yeah, point? Real quick. About sure. the, the, the Broncos quarterbacking and Locke, let me just say, they don't they want Locke to be the guy. They don't want to have to draft or start all over at quarterback once again. If they're going to get a top 10, top 8, top whatever pick, they'd rather use that on a on a cornerback or a lineman or a linebacker, anything but another quarterback where they have to start all over. So they're wanting Locke to, to nail this audition. They're wanting Pat Shermer to nail this audition. They're wanting these two to be their staples going forward. Absolutely. I mean, it's in their... It's in the best interest of the club. Tom jumping in to say, I predicted 24-17 Broncos, and all of MHH predicted a blowout. <laughs> not bad, eh, guys? Except I mean, John. John did pick the yeah. Broncos. I mean, he's not he, – he wasn't in the Mile High Roundtable, but he is MHH staff. And so uh, – but, yeah, when none of us – I mean, honestly, just the emotional tenor that this team had taken on in the last two games, man, like, I mean, especially considering the fact that – I'm going to say the last three games, all right, because – well, I guess you got to take it back four games, all right, to the Chiefs game. Things got ugly. If it's not for one furious fourth quarter against the Chargers, man, you're going, there's just nothing to hang your hat on. So in our defense, we just didn't see it coming. We really didn't. It looked like this team had thrown in the towel, Zach. So credit to Fangio. And we talked about this in the gut reaction last night. Credit to Fangio and those players who stood up and the coaches that said, hey, gang, we're not checked out. We're still right. in this. We've had to take our lumps. We're, we're trying to find our way. We're trying to overcome all these vast personnel losses. But we are still here. And big ups to you, Tom, for predicting, you know, going against the tide and, and predicting a Broncos win. I'll eat some crow. I, I didn't really think the Broncos stood a chance. And you have to figure with Vic Fangio, they rarely get blown out. Well, look at the previous game. They got blown out by the Raiders. And they're playing one of the best teams in the NFL with a super hot quarterback. It's all props to Fangio. He he knows how to shut down rookies. He he knows how to throw his best defense out there. And when you get just a little production from the offense, when they pull even the slightest bit of weight, you can see what happens on the field. All right, let me see here. So we got Jason jumping in. And then we got a super sticker from Muhammad. We got Zeus. We got Mike Evans in the house. The gang, for the most part, is all here. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. Find your next truck at Woodhouse Buick GMC. No matter where you're heading or what tasks need tackling, there's a premium and capable GMC truck that's perfect for you. Make a statement on the job site, out on the town, or wherever life leads you in the powerful and distinctive Sierra 1500. Or elevate your driving experience in the adventurous and innovative canyon. Explore our inventory online at WoodhouseBuickGMC.com or visit our indoor showroom today. Woodhouse Buick GMC. We are professional grade. 
College can be expensive, but saving now can help your students save later. Give your child's college savings a boost by registering for a chance at a $1,000 savings plan deposit for 6th through 12th graders. Sign up today at iowastudentloan.org slash register. Jason says, and thank you for the support, Jason. If you are on Twitter, make sure you reach out with Zach and I and connect so that we can shout you out after this pod. But he says, Zach, I'm proud of young Drew Luck. He's 4-0 against Belichick and his disciples, O'Brien, Patricia, and Flores. That's true. Hey, that's interesting. I still believe he is our guy. Yeah, I mean, Zach, again, I don't want to go too far overboard, but at the same time, as I mentioned earlier in this podcast, week 11 was a good reminder of why you don't want to go too far knee-jerking in either direction. I mean, so many people were ready to just close the book on lock, move on, it's over. And then there were still so many people blindly saying no, like he's the future. And I'm not saying you're blind, Chris. Don't get me wrong. I'm just saying inside the building, the, the outlook was was much more even killed. I mean, obviously there was some alarm there. There was some dissatisfaction. You could see that just in the way Pat Shermer. I mean, we, we joked and laughed about it on Thursday night's podcast, Zach. But you could tell Shermer was feeling some real, you know, he, he was just frustrated, disappointed, uh, passive aggressively kind of going at it with the media. I think you're being nice. But I do think internally in terms of the big picture macro within Dove Valley, you know, they might have been a little alarmed as well, but they were still like, hey, man, this is the NFL. We've been down the road before. We're professionals. You know, I'm John Elway. I've lived this. I've played this. I'm Vic Fangio. I've been in the league 30-some years. You know, let's give this kid time to turn the corner and, and work through this. And, you know, that's a good harbinger that he still can do that. I mean, Elway also knows firsthand how being a young quarterback in the NFL, especially in, in this day and age, is such a passing league. When Elway was playing, it really wasn't that much of a passing league like it is now. And it's, again, you have to trust the process. I'm not trying to quote the Sixers here, but it's a roller coaster. It's ups and downs. It's peaks and valleys. And that's what Drew Locke is going to take you. And we've been saying that. I mean, even though Chad and I were high on Locke going into the year, before all the injuries, before the pandemic, before all this happened, we still knew we we're going to see some hiccups. It's not going to be smooth sailing, especially right out of the gates. But that's the the emotional barometer of the fan base. After a hard loss, it's get rid of everyone. He's the worst. He's a bust. And then after he, they get a big win, it's, you know, he's the best. He's the future. He's the franchise. The truth in win or loss is always somewhere right in the middle. Is he a bust? No. Is he the franchise? No. He's working toward both ends of the spectrum, but it's seriously split right down the middle. You have to stay even keeled and then evaluate him at the end of the season when you have enough of a sample size instead of destroying him or praising him on a game-by-game basis. It takes patience. It takes understanding. It's not fun in this day and age when everyone wants instant gratification, instant results, but you got to do it. you got to go through the process. Well, and even real quick, I mean, I wrote about this today is, you know, Tua Tagovailoa had a chance to be the only quarterback besides Ben Roethlisberger to begin his NFL career as a as a uh, 4-0, as a starter. Broncos, you know, they put a foil in that. Didn't It didn't shake out. But, you know, he over he, he vanquished. Let's look at who those three wins came again. Um, one was he beat Kyler Murray and the and the surging Arizona Cardinals. He beat Justin Herbert and the. Uh, Chargers. I'm trying to remember who's the who's the first one. I'm having a brain fart. But either way, he had some he had some uh, emphatic wins against young quarterbacks. And Drew Locke came out and outplayed him. I mean, Drew Locke had one just boneheaded play that he wants back that we all want back. But in that game, Drew Locke, when he's been head to head against fellow young quarterbacks, 
Like, think about it. What young quarterback that Drew Locke's gone up against, aside from maybe Mahomes, because I would still consider Mahomes in in that realm, you know, he's, he's still relatively young, despite how dominant and he's the best quarterback in the league. But what young quarterback that's on that same plane as Drew, aside from Mahomes, has gotten his goat? I mean, every every young guy he's gone up against, he's come out on top, Zach. Carr, I guess you could say. If he's a young guy. 2014, dude. Yeah. I mean, I guess. just playing devil's advocate, like he's a veteran. He's He's been in the league, you know? Um, so my point, my, my only point is like, hey, we fans just need you. You're the one that made the point, And I just want to echo it that, you know, it's fans are seeing the quarterbacks come out of the draft, out of the box, onto the field, and putting up prolific numbers. And you, and, and the impatience sets in, but you can't be that um, you can't be that. I'll, I'll just say irrational about it. You got to give these guys time to develop. And at least for the Broncos, Zach, all signs point to they're giving drew all of 2020. And I'm I'm telling you, my insight and what the, I hear and my gut is telling me, and barring some collapse down the stretch where he just reverts back to four interceptions a game, Drew, it's going to be Drew in 2021 as well. And Jerry, what's up, my friend? A Facebook supporter, true and true. Good to see you, my dog. Yeah, I was just uh, playing contrarian to your question. I'm thinking about it, and there's not really a young quarterback out there that he's lost to aside from maybe Mahomes, like you've mentioned. And as the previous comment also referenced, he's faced some of the best defensive minds in the NFL and come out on top. So and it's a small sample size, and he's given us a lot of pain, but he's given us a lot of praiseworthy plays as well. You've got to ride the roller coaster until at least January 3rd. Then you can get off and evaluate, but you've got to stay on there until then. Muhammad, appreciate that, my friend, a bona fide superstar. Uh, with the hey you, what's going on, dog? Appreciate you. Thank you, Mama. Um, and then Zeus McPeak in the house. Every single podcast, I mean, here and there, he might miss one or two, but Zeus has been a staple. That's why when you look at the MHH Mount Rushmore, the first face etched in that mountain is Zeus McPeak. Good to see you, bro. Appreciate you as always. And his message to everyone, if for those of you listening, is hi all and go Broncos. And Zach, before we got a really good question from from Mike, I want to just answer this one from Ronnie real quick on Facebook. He says, as a fan, I'm very satisfied when the Broncos win. They put together an excellent game. Can they end the season at a respectable eight and eight? So Zach, right now they're sitting at four and six, right? Could you see them finishing these remaining games four and two? Yes. If they play the way they played yesterday, I think they can go toe-to-toe with most teams in the NFL. And even in the, in the Kansas City game, the first one, they held Mahomes in check. It was 200 yards and a garbage-time touchdown. It's the fact that the offense didn't do anything. Next week, they get a Saints team without Drew Brees that has Taysom Hill. I mean, they have some the, – the Bills on the schedule still. They have, you know, divisional games left on the schedule. There's no, no such thing as an unwinnable game for any team in the NFL. But for the Broncos, when you have that elite defense and you have that elite defensive coaching, if you can just get some competent offensive play, like you saw yesterday, even or through the air or on the ground, you can go toe-to-toe. I wouldn't predict 8-8, eight eight, Chad, but I, I wouldn't say it's an impossibility. Far from it. Indeed. I um, I concur. I think if you get – even if they even if it's in a losing effort, but if you get that level of intensity – and just like coaching wherewithal that you got yesterday on Sunday. Anything's possible. Like this team can go toe-to-toe with any team in the league if you get that level of play. But what really separates an execution and coaching, what separates the so-so teams and the bad teams from the truly great teams is the truly great teams 
they manufacture that every week. It's a that's a constant. You're going to get that every week. The best shot. So you know the Broncos. It remains to be seen. I mean, if you're betting on it, you probably have to wager that uh, they're going to revert back to their recidivist ways and go back to struggling, and then maybe have one or two more triumphs. And I mean, that's what the odds say, right? But you know, I'm I, I'm inclined to agree with you and take a more optimistic. Right uh, tone. I mean, Ovana's here. Sorry if I mispronounced your name, my friend. The next slate of games is as follows. Saints, Chiefs, Raiders, Chargers, Bills, Carolina. Not in that order, but uh, but still, that's, you know, there's some tough teams there, man. I mean, the Saints, the Chiefs, the Raiders, the Bills. I mean, four of those are playoff teams. Four of those teams yeah. are in the playoffs this year. And uh, then the Chargers, you know, you never know what you're going to get with Justin Herbert and Carolina as well. They've, you know, they've, uh, they've underperformed this year. They're kind of doing a reset. Yeah. I mean, they're, they're, they're uh, formidable with Matt rule and Joe Brady with Teddy Bridgewater. But you look at those teams, Chad, again, Taysom Hill uh, for the saints. They've already beaten the chargers. They can beat the Raiders. Those are tough divisional games. They held Mahomes in check. The first matchup Bill's going to be tough. I mean, they're, they're a really good team uh, through and through. But Carolina doesn't scare me. So, yeah, are they going to go 8-8? Eight and eight? I don't know about that, but can they go 8-8 eight and eight if they play like yesterday? Absolutely. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. Not long ago, everyone knew that you're either born a boy or girl. Not anymore. The Biden administration is pushing radical gender experiments on children, changing their names, clothes, identities, and bodies. Joe Biden and his left-wing allies pushed boys to take estrogen to appear more feminine. They pushed girls to take testosterone so they grow facial hair. Biden and progressive leaders promote puberty blockers to keep kids from developing to normal men and women. These drugs can leave you sterile, infertile, impotent. Joe Biden and the new left even promote surgery on teens and young adults, removing breasts and genitals. They want boys in our daughters' bathrooms and sports teams. And now, the Biden administration is planning to issue new rules that would force doctors to prescribe dangerous drugs and worse. Tell Joe Biden and left-wing leaders across America, hands off our kids. Paid for by America First Legal. Not long ago, everyone knew that you're either born a boy or girl. Not anymore. The Biden administration is pushing radical gender experiments on children changing their names, clothes, identities, and bodies. Joe Biden and his left-wing allies pushed boys to take estrogen to appear more feminine. They pushed girls to take testosterone so they grow facial hair. Biden and progressive leaders promote puberty blockers to keep kids from developing to normal men and women. These drugs can leave you sterile, infertile, impotent. Joe Biden and the new left even promote surgery on teens and young adults, removing breasts and genitals. They want boys in our daughters' bathrooms and sports teams. And now, the Biden administration is planning to issue new rules that would force doctors to prescribe dangerous drugs and worse. Tell Joe Biden and left-wing leaders across America, hands off our kids. Paid for by America First Legal. I agree. Mike here, who always just, he has the the his finger on the pulse of the, the issues, man, like the topics that are interesting that we want to talk about. And one of them, of course, is the development of Malik Reed. I mean, it hasn't been a flash in the pan. Like this dude is legit. And while he pales in comparison from an athletic um, performance or athletic ability to Von Miller, 
Malik Reed, as Mike says, and thank you for the super chat, my friend. As always, you know how much we appreciate you and and, and value you in this community and and uh, love you, my friend. He says, will Malik Reed, uh, will his strong performance impact Von Miller, in t- his 2021 contract mm-hmm. negotiation? I don't think so. I really don't. Because I think, Zach, going into this year, before Von got hurt, I think if you would have asked John Elway or if you were a fly in the wall, on the wall <clears> – <throat> in some of those conversations uh, behind closed doors at Dove Valley between him and Matt Russell and Fangio, even and the brass, I would have been, I'd be willing to bet that they would have been a little bit more skeptical of Vaughn saying something to the effect of, you know, we'll see how he does this year. And if he doesn't perform, we'll come to him uh, in 2021 and see if he's willing to take a step back financially or, you know, restructure his deal, give him additional years. If he kind of defers some of the cap hit and, you know, kind of come at him with, we want you to take a step back, in other words, financially. But losing him and then seeing the effect it had on the defense, because, look, they've they've bounced back in the last – yesterday was great to see those six sacks, but, Zach, the two games prior, man, there was no yeah. pass rush, dude. Weeks four through eight was solid. But then they disappeared, and that's after the first three games they were – it was non-existent. Bradley Chubb didn't get on the board till week four. So I think John Elway at this point has to go, look, Malik Reed is solid. He's good. Chubb is getting back to being himself, but Vaughn is a lot more integral to this thing than maybe they initially figured. Yeah, I very much agree with that. Very well said. Um, first of all, if Malik Reed, if he was like a, a Shane Ray, meaning a first round pick who was waiting in the wings and he had this kind of season, it can maybe put some pressure on Von Miller or put some leverage in the Broncos pocket, but he's Malik Reed. He was an undrafted guy who had a slow start last year. He kind of came up a little bit in Vic, Vic Fangio's system this year, but Reed needs to worry about his own contract situation. He's making, uh, 575 of uh, this season. I'm sorry, 675 this season, 850 next season. Then he's an RFA in 2022. He to me, he's earned at least a little sizable bump like a Tim Patrick. He's he's overperformed uh vastly this contract. He's to worry about himself. Like I said on yesterday's pod, it doesn't really affect Miller. It just gives the Broncos some insurance in case Miller gets hurt, Chubb gets hurt again. It gives the Broncos a true um I would say an elite third edge rusher to have as far as elite third edge rushers go you can never have enough insurance policy when two of the guys your superstars your bookends have injury histories make no mistake zach is not saying malik reed is an elite edge rusher he's saying for a number three three an elite number three right just like shaq barrett was during his time here and look at this okay this little statistical achievement of malik reed in case you guys can't read that Malik Reed posted the third multi-sack game of his career. Last This was yesterday with one and a half sacks. Now leads all undrafted NFL players with six and a half sacks this season. Remember, the reigning sack champ is a former undrafted player, and that's Shaquille Barrett. Malik Reed has got him beaten. By the way, gang, if you're on Instagram, and I know most of you are, make sure you're following Mile High Huddle on Instagram for the for the these kind of memes, statistical stuff, we this is where we put our selfies from the superstars that send us in their swag. It's a fun follow. We don't, uh, you know, that's kind of what we use it for content-wise is the memes and the superstar selfies. So make sure you're following on Instagram as well. But Zach, it's going to be really interesting to see because you know he's on pace right now to track at about ten sacks. Like he's on pace to get about ten sacks. Could end up with more. Like. You know how it is for set, for pass rushers, man. A lot of times it comes in bunches, and, and those numbers can actually add up 
really fast. And in, in Reed's case and Chubb, I wouldn't be surprised if they both end up with double-digit sacks. Right now they're kind of cruising right at or under just barely 10 sacks. But I think they both end up, if I were to bet on it today, I would bet they both end up over uh, 10 sacks. Do you know what's impressive, though, about Malik Reed? He's not just, you know, jumping in on the pile to get the sack. It's not a coverage sack. He's winning one-on-one against tackles. His motor and his tenacity, his follow-through and his finish is what's getting him these sack numbers. He's And like the comment says from Jeff K in the bottom there, he's always around the ball. He just has that motor, and he's really come on for the Broncos. That's why I say for a third edge rusher, the third guy in your depth chart, I think he's pretty elite. He, he has some tools a lot of other guys don't have. Uh, Casey wants to know, has Drew Locke been celebrating less, or are they just not showing it? No, Casey, it's neither. He just hasn't had anything to celebrate till yesterday. And even yesterday, he didn't throw a touchdown, so, he, so there weren't those shots of him celebrating, you know, after the throw, and he looks to see if he caught it, and he's in. You know, you don't see any of that in the dancing. There was no touchdown pass. But there were a few shots, if you were paying attention, of uh, Melvin Gordon when they got in, when they punched it in, or it was a big play downfield. Yeah, maybe not going uh, overboard, but aside from yesterday, Zach, there hasn't been anything to celebrate for young Drew Locke. At least he wasn't caught on the bench smiling, though, after losing to the Raiders. Yeah. I mean, that, that was his low point, so I'll take it. Yep. Uh, Kenneth Booker in the house. Good to see you, my friend. Appreciate you, as Thank always. You. He says, Malik Reed allows you to ease Miller back and not rush. And exactly. that kind of brings up a topic that Fangio broached uh, today. Uh Forgive me, I can't remember who it was in the media throng that asked about Vaughn here. Let me see. It was the, if I'm not mistaken, it was actually the last. Oh, this was. Hold on, bear with me one second. This was. Uh, this was today. So um, let me find it. It was one of the last one or two questions. Here's what he said, Vaughn Miller. Because in case you missed it, here's the State of the Union on Vaughn. Uh, right about the election. It was the week of the election. So what was that? Three weeks ago, almost. Uh, Vaughn said that he's going to be good to go in three or four weeks, right? We're getting, we're coming up on that. And what we said at the time, Zach, was basically circle the beginning of December. That could be crunch time. He was asked, Fangio, what about Vaughn on his injury rehab? Do you believe Vaughn's going to play this season? Here's Fangio's response as of November 23rd, quote, I think he's progressing well. It's still too early to say if he'll be able to play or not. He hasn't gotten medical clearance to go out on the field and partake in practice even in a limited fashion. Until he gets to that point, it's a moot point. I know he wants to, and I've talked to him about it. We'd love to have him out there, but we're only going to have him out there when he's fully ready to participate, and that is going to require medical clearance first. So, Zach, he's definitely um, posturing about it's all whether or not the docs sign off, but whether or not the docs sign off is contingent on not only is Vaughn healthy, but the message on high, does John Elway want Vaughn to play this year? Does John Elway want to risk any potential aggravation or additional setbacks knowing that he's under contract next year? So it'll be interesting to see right now. I would, I mean, if the, if the Broncos win against odds, I mean, they're going to be, they're, they're not going to be favored again this week at home against the saints. If they beat the saints, I'd be willing to bet that Vaughn Miller ends up playing again this year. Maybe. I think if you read between the lines on what Fangio is saying, it's like, don't expect Vaughn back. Don't hold your breath on him coming back this year because what fans, some fans don't understand is he can be healthy. He can be medically clear, but there's a difference between that and being in football game shape, conditioning shape. He's been out of, uh, out of works since August now. That's months. It's going to take him a little while, even for a player like Von Miller to ramp back up to that. And especially for him to feel comfortable and confident pushing off that foot. 
If he does come back this year, to me, I'm still not sure, but if he does, it'd be in a very limited capacity, a a designated pass rusher, a third-down guy. You're not going to get the whole Von Miller experience, and you have to weigh, like I said yesterday, you have to weigh what that's worth in a potential non-playoff year versus what you can get with Von Miller healthy next season. Yeah, Miller707 has a sick feeling that Denver is going to trade Von for draft picks this this offseason. I I really don't don't see that happen. Uh, Glenn. Good to see you, my friend. Talk about a superstar in our community. The man that, uh, seriously, I have some some uh, mad affection for this cat. And, of course, he's the proud owner of one of the most just impressive Bronco man caves of all time, Glenn Hauser. He says, finally, get to hang with you guys live. Thanks, as always. Hashtag MHH, state of being, and hashtag yesterday rock. Yeah. Yes, indeed, Zach. It was one of the things we, we as we signed off last night, we said, man, we're just happy for Broncos country because this is yep. the week of Thanksgiving. You get to celebrate a win and really be thankful for, for that. And so shout out to you, Glenn. And an impressive win, an upset win, which gives future for, you know, hope for the future. So thank you so much, Glenn. We appreciate having you here. And I hope you have a nice week celebrating the Broncos. What was a very impressive victory? Uh, Jody wants to know, this is a key question. I want to know what happened to Michael O.J. Mudia as he has sat the last two games. I haven't looked at the snap count. I know in – let me see here if I can find it real quick. I know in Vegas he did not play, literally, he did not receive a single solitary snap on defense. He got like 17 um, special team snaps. Fangio's explanation for it was that with um, Bouye back in the saddle, they felt like the best – combination on based on what the Raiders, you know, their personnel was Bouye, Callahan in base, and then Callahan on the outside still in uh, nickel and Bassey coming into play inside in the nickel. And really the way he explained that Zach was that Bassey's the better tackler. And if you look at the analytics, I mean, it's, you don't even need to look at the analytics. Bassey has by far, he's, I think the second highest graded rookie defensive back in tackling. All right, in tackling, I want to specify that as a tackler. I'm going to say, what about coverage? Exactly. In coverage, OJ Mudia is significantly ranked higher, but Fangio, you know what he's one of his cliches is for his DBs, tackling is non negotiable. And one of the hallmarks of the Atlanta game, Zach, if everyone could think back, is OJ Mudia missed a couple of tackles. So I think that if you want to try and figure out why, um, I'm going to have to go to NFL GSIS for the for the snap count. But, Zach, the reason why is, I think, is Fangio sending a message because O.J. Moody played well. The, I'll say he played at at least an average starter level, certainly better than you ever saw from Isaac Adam, certainly better than you ever saw from Brendan Langley. Those first eight games, and I think these last two, it's simply been Fangio sending the message, nothing given, everything is earned, and if you don't tackle all the coverage chops in the world, ain't going to save you in my scheme. Yeah, the, the hallmark to me of the Atlanta game was uh, Devontae Harris getting roasted, and he's no longer with the team. So it seems like maybe Fangio's taking a hard approach, a hard line with the secondary, with the cornerbacks. I just know personally I saw too much of Duke Dawson out there yesterday. I just 
I, I really don't want to see him on the field. I would like to see less of Bassey because he's not that great in coverage and co- uh, quarterbacks now are starting to pick on him. You're great with Bryce Callahan. You're good with Boye. Uh, you have Bo- Devontae Bosby back on the roster. Thank God. It's just the bottom end. You, you question. They use a third round pick on a guy. He's been looking pretty good in coverage. Should have had some picks, yeah. Should have made some tackles, yeah. But I want the guy who's going to lock down the receiver. I'll worry about the, t- the tackling for the safeties and linebackers, Chef. Sorry, I'm trying to grab this. I agree. I, I'm trying to grab this. Um, I think this is the right one. Game book here. Let's see. Yep, this is it. All right, let me blow this up. We can all look together here. Whoops, where'd it go? That's too much. All right, so Bassey, he got 83% of the defensive snaps. You can see it over here. That's he got 54 snaps on defense he did not play any special teams meanwhile let's let's let me just make sure i'm not missing anybody all right starts on defense we scroll down let's look for oj mudia again 17 snaps on special teams so no defense so very interesting zach considering the fact that you know he's your rookie third round pick and you certainly signaled to start this season that he was going to be a factor and he's kind of just disappeared into the background that was for uh, yesterday's game because I that saw was- Bosby had no defensive snaps either. I saw just special team snaps. Let me double check. And, and if, sure I if, the right one. if that's the case, I mean, you're not playing two of your best cover cornerbacks and you're playing Duke Dawson and the same Bassey over them. I kind of question what Fancy was thinking a little bit, but maybe I read that wrong. But it, nope, you're right. Um, Bosby played only 12 on specials. That's, that's it. crazy. Why bring so, him back? It, insurance, and that's yeah, it. But. but it's hard to pick too many nits because the defense was just phenomenal. Even against, yeah. even when Fitzmagic came in at the end, you know, he moved the ball, but Fangio kind of went into a little bit more of a prevent. Like up until that point, one of the things that had confounded Tua was the fact that the Broncos were mostly playing man. And that's very atypical of a Fangio scheme. Fangio likes to play predominantly different zone coverages. And although he mixed it up, if you if you watch the the game and really pay attention it was man coverage, which means you got to throw accurate. You got to know what you're seeing pre-snap, and then once the ball is live, and that was that was something that he struggled with, Zach Tua, and that kind of leads to something else I wanted to get your thoughts on. We learned today that in the preparation for the Dolphins game, of course, makes sense. They only had three games of tape on Tua. All the rest of the games were Ryan Fitzpatrick, and so in their cut-ups as they're studying this Dolphins offense um, – they basically relied more on the Fitzmagic tape. And in so doing, they had a sneaking suspicion that if this defense played well, the Dolphins would be quick to go back to Fitzpatrick. This is, this is what uh, Fangio said today. And the way it was, the question was posed to him, Zach, was, you know, hey, Tua started the game red hot. How, Fitzpatrick ended up coming in. How much did you prepare for Ryan Fitzpatrick coming into the game? Here's Fangio, quote, I kind of thought that way all week, that if we played well, they would put Fitzpatrick in. Tua had only played three games, so Fitzpatrick was on a lot of the cut-ups we watched and the film we watched. I watched them myself on the side. I just kind of had a feeling we could see him if we played good. Now, of course, the optics, Zach, were that Tua suffered a foot injury, right? But uh, as we talked about on the gut reaction, I don't know about you, but if I'm a team that is truly concerned about my young quarterback, number five overall pick, first rounder, his foot getting injured in a game, if I'm pulling him out of the game, I'm certainly not going to let him stand on the sideline. Like, go take a seat, and I'm worried about that foot. That's not what it was, though. He was chilling, standing, 
on the sideline from every snap on in which Fitzpatrick was in the game. Yeah, Tua had a foot injury like Joe Flacco had a neck injury. It's just just an excuse to get him out of the game. And you know what? Credit to the Broncos because I didn't think there was any possibility. I thought once you make that midseason change, Fitzpatrick had that team rolling, Chad. I know it's the defense, but when you make that controversial change to put your first-round quarterback in, it takes only thing it would take would be a, a massive injury for him to come back out. So if they thought he might get pulled because of play, I give the Broncos a lot of credit because I, I thought there was no possibility of that at all. Well said. Reminder, gang, if you're with us here live, smash the like button. It helps in more ways than we can say. We got one here from Dennis Woods, a superstar in our community that is very dedicated and outgoing as a listener and as a supporter of MHH to provide this content daily. So thank you, Dennis. He says, what do you know about the ownership situation? I saw something today about the NFL maybe stepping in. All right, so, yeah, in case you missed it, a report came out over the weekend that uh, basically the NFL – let me let me find this article real quick because I, I want to get it right if we're going to talk about this, Zach. Uh, according to our report, and I'm, I'm quoting here, this is the article – that our Lance Sanderson, of course, one of the co-hosts of the Dove Valley Deep Divers podcast, um, his report covering this today, quote, according to a report from Mike Florio of Pro Football Talk, who cited Ben Fisher of Sports Business Daily, NFL Commissioner Roger Goodell now has the authority and power of levying fines up to $10 million per year to teams that are not in compliance with the policy and up to $2 million per year for individual owners as well. Uh, what he's getting at here is the minimum equity stakes of ownership. And right now, the Broncos are not operating under any kind of ownership. It's, a, it's under a trust, right? There is no singular sole um, owner. And what this report is basically bringing to light is the Broncos are under the gun. And we heard from... Joe Ellis, what was it, Zach? I want to say it was December-ish. Well, in fact, I think Lance has the the quote here. Let me grab this real quick. This adds additional context. Joe Ellis said, this is in December of 2019, about selling the team. Quote, it is an option, and we've told the beneficiaries that, talking about the Bolin children, because if Brittany Bolin were to succeed and take over for her father, everybody else is going to have to sign off on that most likely. That may not be a requirement, but it's going to be necessary, I think, Moving forward from a trustee viewpoint, that's why a sale remains a possibility, I think, given the circumstances we are in. So, Zach, it's looking like the NFL is is telegraphing loud and clear to the Broncos that, hey, I know uh, pandemic affected this whole suit, this this lawsuit that Beth Bowen Wallace brought, but you need to figure this out quick or else we're going to strong arm you. I wasn't doing that to you. I was saying, like, hurry up with the with the ownership situation and, and let's go. You know, time's ticking. It's been dragged out and dragged out, a lot of family squabbling, a lot of in-house fighting. Um, it, it's, a, it's a legal battle, though, and I think the NFL is getting tired of having one of their legacy franchises be kind of rudderless without an owner. So whether it's Britney, whether it's a sale, I, I'm not. Not long ago, everyone knew that you're either born a boy or girl. Not anymore. The Biden administration is pushing radical gender experiments on children, changing their names, clothes, identities, and bodies. Joe Biden and his left-wing allies push boys to take estrogen to appear more feminine. They push girls to take testosterone so they grow facial hair. 
Biden and progressive leaders promote puberty blockers to keep kids from developing to normal men and women. These drugs can leave you sterile, infertile, impotent. Joe Biden and the new left even promote surgery on teens and young adults, removing breasts and genitals. They want boys in our daughters' bathrooms and sports teams. And now, the Biden administration is planning to issue new rules that would force doctors to prescribe dangerous drugs and worse. Tell Joe Biden and left-wing leaders across America, hands off our kids. Paid for by America First Legal. Not long ago, everyone knew that you're either born a boy or girl. Not anymore. The Biden administration is pushing radical gender experiments on children, changing their names, clothes, identities, and bodies. Joe Biden and his left-wing allies pushed boys to take estrogen to appear more feminine. They pushed girls to take testosterone so they grow facial hair. Biden and progressive leaders promote puberty blockers to keep kids from developing to normal men and women. These drugs can leave you sterile, infertile, impotent. Joe Biden and the new left even promote surgery on teens and young adults, removing breasts and genitals. They want boys in our daughters' bathrooms and sports teams. And now, the Biden administration is planning to issue new rules that would force doctors to prescribe dangerous drugs and worse. Tell Joe Biden and left-wing leaders across America, hands off our kids. Paid for by America First Legal. Too well-versed on the business side. That's not my forte. I, I, those are the two most likely scenarios. I still think it stays within the family. There'll be some sort of arrangement where Brittany takes over, but the rest of the beneficiaries will get cut in or, or included in some way possible. Again, it's not my specialty. I just think, gun to my head right now, it stays in the Bowen family, but you never know what could happen. Uh, here's one from Daniel Miller on Facebook. Yesterday was a job-saving and a season-saving win. There were reports yesterday uh, that if Fangio's – it could be fi- Fangio's final game, and we definitely saved our season. So that was actually a uh, miscue. People, A lot of people misinterpreted it, that there, that Fangio was under a win or you're fired. That was never the case. There was, I published an article, and it was all based around a conversation I had with Kim Becker on a video that was basically this game was a referendum on Fangio <clears throat> to to, to – to determine have the wheels fallen off the bus. Like, has he lost the locker room? Because look at the past two games and then one fourth quarter that saved a, a blowout loss to the Chargers. Uh, and then that was preceded by a blowout against the Chiefs. This was kind of a, a, a referendum on Fangio. Do you still have control of this team? It was never a question of if Fangio doesn't win, he's this is a win or you're getting fired. That was That was nowhere even close to what we were saying. And I think some people misinterpreted that. But no, Fangio answered the bell regardless, Zach. And as Daniel points out here, I wouldn't necessarily say it was job-saving because he's still got a ways to go, and I don't think his job was in question yesterday. But it might have been season-saving if, as we said earlier in this pod, if they can continue to play that level of intense intensity as, as players and execute the way they did. I mean, they were on point on defense and offense, and the coaches step up, man. All things are possible, but that's still a big if considering the ups and downs we've seen from this team all year. Yeah, and I think the only chance, and it's something uh, you've been talking about after the Raiders loss, you said it would take this type of result every game going forward for the Broncos to even consider firing Fangio. He always had an alibi built into this season. As soon as Locke got hurt, as soon as Corlton Sutton went down, Von Miller, 
the pandemic, the injuries, it always bought uh, Fangio a, a bigger leash. But one thing he's proven is that he's an elite defensive mind, and I think he's done enough to quell the Broncos' brass's concerns over whether he's a head coach. If he can bring that to the table and try to get some sort of above-average offensive play like we saw yesterday, he can be the long-term coach of this franchise. Regardless, he was always getting all of this season, all of next season. He was never under a mandate where he had a win or face the possibility of being fired. His job is much safer than most Broncos fans realize. Uh, hello, bruh, is saying that Vaughn's podcast today, he said that he'll be back by the Panthers game. So we'll see, man. That would be really cool. And, uh, you know, hopefully that's how it shakes out. Dennis Woods jumping in again. Thank you, Dennis. He says, I've been saying this for a while. Give Drew time and he'll be really good. Patience. Yeah, I mean, the jury's still out on Drew, but we've seen a lot from him. I mean, he's, you know, he's gone through some serious ups and downs this year, and it's tested him. And I think what you saw yesterday was a realization on his part that, hey, man, I can overcome adversity in the NFL. And that is very confidence-inspiring for any young quarterback, but especially a guy like Drew, because you got to think about it. When you become the, the quarterback of the Denver Broncos, you're living in the shadow of guys like Peyton, Elway. And it's not easy, man. The expectations in the fan base and the media in Denver for the quarterback position are literally a mile high. And so he's, you know, he's had to try and um, mit- uh, meet those expectations, I guess is the verbiage. And he has struggled because it takes time and no one has patience, especially in this town, man. Elway, Manning, I mean, the patients are very thin. And I think he did a lot yesterday to win back some of that belief in, in the fan base, but there's still a large swath of fans and we've seen it on social media today that are like, yeah, that was good to see, but you know, the whole, yeah, but philosophy and all he can do Zach is keep pedal to the metal and refute the, yeah, but people with continuing to play well. And if he doesn't, the, yeah, buts are going to have a voice. I was going to say social media contributed to that because it's not just a football thing or a sports thing. Society nowadays is all about instant gratification, and if fans want results and people want results right now, you can't microwave everything. Some things need to take time to bake in the oven. And to Dennis's comment, I wish I could print it out and glue it to my forehead because this is what we've been saying so many times. What I'll keep saying throughout the duration of the season, give Locke time, be patient, because he can reward you as you saw yesterday. A name we do not recognize on Super Chat. Welcome and thank you to Nocto Lantern 13. Thank you. Welcome. What do you guys think about A.J. Bouye? I think he's a solid corner, but it seems like teams have been picking on him this year more than expected. I don't know about more than expected uh, Lantern because he was he's the number one corner in this scheme. And so I think, you know, Fangio and the Broncos expected him to be tested. But you got to remember now, He's appeared in exactly as many games as he's missed. He's he's appeared in five games now, and he's missed five. So, you know, he just needs to get keep his feet underneath him. You know, he gets back from the shoulder, and then who was it? Was it AJ? Or no, it was Kareem, right? Friendly fire that, yeah. that uh, gave him the concussion, and then that kept him out of the next game. And then he comes back in uh, the Raiders game, I think I want to say, and – you know, it's just he just needs more time on task. He gave up quite a few receptions against the uh, Dolphins, but uh, and two penalties, one of which was ticky tack. So you want to see him play better than he did, but it wasn't bad. You know, the Broncos only allowed less than two hundred passing yards on Sunday. I don't get the vitriol for for AJ Boye. This is who he's always been. He was always a, a questionable, you know, borderline cornerback one, but he was always an excellent cornerback too. 
And in this scheme, I think he settled in as their cornerback too because Bryce Callahan, far and away, is the Broncos' best corner. He's playing at an all-pro level. So that's why he's taking away one receiver or maybe even one side of the field. That's why you're seeing quarterbacks pick on Boye more. He's just the other target out there. I thought he's been pretty good this season. I think in terms of his contract, I think it's pretty market value. It's not crippling. I think he's been a, a B player to a B-plus player for Denver. And I don't, I don't see where the hate is manifested from for Boye. We got questions here from Johnny Blaze about Shelby. We got another one here from Zach on Facebook. Uh, Fangio still doesn't know if Shelby's going to be cleared from the uh, CV protocol in time for the Saints game. I mean, I'm trying to look at this from the medical perspective of once you start showing symptoms, like how long are you supposed to be uh, quarantined? And it seems to me just counting those days he should be out of the protocol, but the NFL just recently went into, they doubled down on their CV protocols and they're calling it now intensive protocol. So they might have made more strict the, um, you know, the window of time that players who do test positive and come down with the virus, how long it takes till they can return to locker rooms and thus to the playing field. But as of today, Fangio is the head coach. He wasn't quite ready to say that they, that, that Shelby will be back this week. Yeah, I, I think on Wednesday's pod we'll have more information, so uh, tune in for that. Which, by the way, that that brings up, we had a few people reach out to us. Hey, you guys, it's Thanksgiving. What are you going to do podcast-wise? We're going to be doing what we do. We got a game on Sunday, and so Wednesday night we'll be here, and Thursday night we'll be here. So as things start to get boring on Thanksgiving, most people, I think, eat kind of <laughs> mid-afternoon yeah. in terms of family dinners for Thanksgiving. As things start to settle in, <laughs> everyone's sick of each other. Yeah, you're you're ready to say grandpa or whatever. I want to go back to talk to the football priest. We'll be here for you uh, Thursday night. Yeah, looking forward to it too. But we are about out of time here, gang. So let me see what else we have got. John, um, Kenneth Booker. Oh, we did. Did we grab Kenneth's second one about Reed and Miller? I think we did. Oh, man, we got Jonathan back in the house. Dude, it's been a minute since we've seen Jonathan. I've reached out to Jonathan uh, just to check on him, make sure everything's okay. And uh, it's good to see you, my friend. It's been a while since even then when I checked in with you. I don't know. It's been like a month at least. So appreciate the super chat. And it's good to have one of our, uh, I mean, in the off season and late last season, Jonathan, see the, I mean, this was a bona fide superstar in our community. So hope all is well with your family, my friend. And yeah. it's good to have you back. He says, I got off early and get to catch you live again. Hashtag Denver Broncos for life. Good to see you. Thank you, Jonathan. Hope you're uh, enjoying Victory Monday today. Amen. Um, there it is. Ken- oh, no, this is a different one, but from Kenneth. Love you, buddy. Appreciate you. Spoiled as fans under Bowling, we had three losing seasons. Yeah, and that that speaks to the – I don't want to call it unfair. It's just the score, the high standards and high expectations on Drew Locke. And – you know, most fans, uh, I shouldn't say most, but a lot of fans are not willing to weather the the traditional trial and error learning curve of a young NFL quarterback, <clears throat> not only considering, Zach, the high expectations in Denver, but also, again, in the QB envy phenomenon that takes place when you see young guys, you know, rocking and rolling out of the gates. But if you really compare the Drew Locke situation to some of these other guys, it's not apples to apples. Like even with Kyler Murray, Kyler started all 16 games last year, and he's had the same scheme both years. So there's a you would expect him to be farther along in his developmental curve 
than Drew Locke. So just keep that in mind that it's not always apples to apples. And the same goes for Justin Herbert this year in comparison to Drew. But again, Drew won, Justin Herbert zero. I think Broncos fans are more spoiled, and I mean this in a in a genuine, you know, loving way than most other fan bases like the Browns. They haven't had a franchise quarterback in, you know, decades. Whereas the Broncos, they had Elway, then they even had guys like, you know, Kyle Orton, Jake Plummer, Jay Cutler. Then you had Peyton Manning. But then you go from those people, then you go from that to Simeon, Osweiler, Lynch, Case Keenum, Joe Flacco, and then Drew Locke was supposed to be the the upswing. He was supposed to break the cycle again. He was supposed to get the Broncos back to those elite, glorious ways, and it hasn't worked out. So it's tough for this fan base, Chad. They're not used to losing. And since 2015, since Elway hoisted that title and dedicated to Mr. B himself, they haven't done much winning. You guys, the Broncos, the fans, everyone involved will get back to that. Just give it a little more time. I know I've been saying it for years now, and Chad's been saying it for years. It's on the upswing. The Crazy Groover, another new name on Super Chat. Welcome. Thank you for the support, my friend, and the question. Hey, guys, just curious where OJ Moody has been. Did he get benched? I feel like I'm missing something. So we touched on this earlier in the stream. Yeah, he hasn't played in two straight games on defense, just special teams, and the only thing we can chalk it up to, just to kind of boil it down to what we, we talked about earlier tonight, Tackling. He missed a couple of key tackles against the Falcons. And so Fangio put in Bassey, and Bassey doesn't miss tackles. Like he's not as good in coverage, but he does not miss tackles. Yeah. Uh, Oja Moody is residing in the doghouse that Demarcus Walker came out from. And that's, it seems like Vic Fangio every year has a guy who gets in that doghouse. And for right now, it's Oja Moody and to an extent, Devontae Bosby as well. Vic isn't playing in that secondary. Um, all right, one or two more, and then we got to get out of here. Let me see what what we got here. Brian says, "Shout out to Deshaun Williams. Yes. Well done, son. Indeed, guys. He a has just been uh, he has just been a revelation, and definitely the feel good story of of the year in Denver, and maybe even the NFL. Richie, good to see you, dog, in that luscious, beautiful, gorgeous beard of yours. He did test uh, positive for the virus, Shelby, and that's why. But still, once you test, I mean, I want to say Zach." 14 days, I think, is how long you're supposed to quarantine if you, mm-hmm. from the time you start showing symptoms. And so maybe the NFL's new intensive protocol, I'd have to research it, but maybe that has lengthened the period of time in which they, till they can return. I don't know, but I, I don't know. I, Vic wasn't willing to say that Shelby's going to be back this week, <clears throat> but I'd be surprised, honestly, if he doesn't come back. Yeah, I would too. And uh, maybe he's still symptomatic, though. There's not many other reasoning. There's not much other excuse that you can think of as to why he's not been cleared yet. But he's been tweeting lately. He got his Twitter back. He seems like he's in good spirits, Shelby Harris. So I think it's just a formality at this point. I think he'll play Sunday, though, as it stands right now. All right, last one from Richie, and then we'll dip on out for tonight. Um, He says, I will say this on Locke. He has fight. That said, he cannot overthrow a six foot five tight end who's wide open. Many games will be closer than the Miami game. In many other games, that would be the reason for a loss. Yeah, in the NFL, man, you're right, Richie. I mean, the, the margin of error in the NFL is razor thin, which is why so many young quarterbacks who just blow the doors down in the college ranks really struggle at the NFL level. And that's just something Drew's going to have to figure out sooner than later. But that's why, and this is something Fangio talked about today, Zach. A young quarterback's best friend is a potent defense and a productive running game. And when you have those two things like you saw working in tandem yesterday, it does miraculous things for the quarterback. And so that's what that's what the focus has to be. 
that offensive line and that running game needs to continue to rock and roll. And I think if that running game really is the key because <clears throat> Fangio is going to keep this defense humming. Even without all the horses they've lost on the D-line, <clears throat> Von Miller, this defense is, is going to be on point for the most part. You can count on that. That's the one constant, generally speaking, you can really rely on. It's the offensive line. Can you continue to do in that running game what you did, Pat Shermer, in week 11? And if you do, if you can, good things will come of it. I agree with the premise of what Richie's saying here, but you know he did badly overthrow. I think it was Fumagalli sitting there in the flat. He was wide open. It was like two feet above his head. A, that's always what you're going to get with Drew Locke. He's always going to make at least one throw every game that makes you just scratching your head in disbelief in a bad way, whether it's a pick or whether it's an overthrow. But the normal contrarian viewpoint is against a better defense, the Broncos would have lost the game because of that. Well, they played a really good defense yesterday. They still won the game pretty convincingly. It's because Locke wasn't asked to win the game. It wasn't put on his shoulders. Pat Shermer, why he deserves credit is because he broke out and utilized the running game. And not only that, he was creative in the running game. You can hide Drew Locke, and by extension, you can win with Drew Locke if, like Chad just hit on, you have the offensive line humming, you have the running game humming, and you know Vic Fangio's defense is going to bring it every single week. He has to be better, yeah. He has to be more accurate, but he still made nice throws yesterday, and you're always going to get that type of throw that that head scratcher from Locke. It's just who he is. All right, guys. We got to dip on out of here for tonight. Thanks to each and every one of you for giving us some of your time here this evening. I was looking at Zach on uh, YouTube. I was looking at our average uh, watch time. So when when people tune into these live streams and it is off the charts, it's it's like – uh, almost 60% higher than the YouTube average on live streams. Do our, does our audience stay in terms of once they tune in, how long do they stay on? Almost everyone stays through the whole thing. So we love you guys. Uh, same with on Facebook. We love you guys and appreciate you. I mean, yep. just, just yesterday's gut reaction live stream alone, it's already 7,000 views already on, on YouTube. Now you compare that to some of the big podcasts on YouTube, like the Joe Rogan podcast. I mean, it's, it's, it's a drop in the bucket, but for our little realm in Broncos country, it's phenomenal. And we love you guys and appreciate each and every one of you for giving us some time and shout out to Mo uh, jumping in. I hope that's okay. If I call you Mo, uh, you know, I like giving nicknames to my friends and, and Muhammad, you've really become one of those. So appreciate yeah. you, my dog. You, and, and that support just means everything to Zach and I, and, and John, but guys, before we dip on out of here, I'm going to serve this over to Zach to sign us off, but I just want to remind everybody Follow the podcast on Twitter at Huddle Up Pod and then the main account at Mile High Huddle. Also, Zach, my partner, on Twitter at Kelberman NFL. Myself at Chad and Jensen. Don't forget to check out the merch store. Get yourself a trucker hat. Get yourself a football priest hat or a tee or a um, hoodie, mug, face mask, a little something for everybody. Also, consider becoming a supporter if you're on Facebook. And then go get that $1,000. A a risk-free week of sports betting uh, at sportsbetting.com, sportsbetting.com slash milehighhuddle. And gang, last thing before you dip on out, like this video, crucial. Facebook and YouTube, like this before you dip on out. And we'll be back Wednesday night. Don't forget Carl and Nick, though, tomorrow night for Building the Broncos, 6 p.m. Mountain, 8 p.m. Eastern. Zach, have a great start to your week, bro. Mile High salutes all you guys. Thank you again. See you Wednesday. You've been listening to the Huddle Up Podcast. Join Broncos Country's deep divers at milehighhuddle.com to keep the conversation going.
Not long ago, everyone knew that you're either born a boy or a girl. Not anymore. The Biden administration is pushing radical gender experiments on children, changing their names, clothes, identities, and bodies. Joe Biden and his left-wing allies pushed boys to take estrogen to appear more feminine. They pushed girls to take testosterone so they grow facial hair. Biden and progressive leaders promote puberty blockers to keep kids from developing to normal men and women. These drugs can leave you sterile, infertile, impotent. Joe Biden and the new left even promote surgery on teens and young adults, removing breasts and genitals. They want boys in our daughters' bathrooms and sports teams. And now, the Biden administration is planning to issue new rules that would force doctors to prescribe dangerous drugs and worse. Tell Joe Biden and left-wing leaders across America, hands off our kids. Paid for by America First Legal. Not long ago, everyone knew that you're either born a boy or a girl. Not anymore. The Biden administration is pushing radical gender experiments on children, changing their names, clothes, identities, and bodies. Joe Biden and his left-wing allies pushed boys to take estrogen to appear more feminine. They pushed girls to take testosterone so they grow facial hair. Biden and progressive leaders promote puberty blockers to keep kids from developing to normal men and women. These drugs can leave you sterile, infertile, impotent. Joe Biden and the new left even promote surgery on teens and young adults, removing breasts and genitals. They want boys in our daughters' bathrooms and sports teams. And now, the Biden administration is planning to issue new rules that would force doctors to prescribe dangerous drugs and worse. Tell Joe Biden and left-wing leaders across America, hands off our kids. Paid for by America First Legal.